Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello. Today we are doing the Arnold Schwarzenegger sci-fi action-adventure film, The Running Man. Yes! Barely, barely based on the Stephen King not, uh, Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman, rest the... in peace. Richard Bachman. Well, yes, he wrote it under Richard Bachman. I think it's technically a novella. I don't know if it was... Enough to be a long enough to be a novel, but it is so loosely based as you could think that they probably could have made this movie without licensing the Stephen King novel at all. Yeah, I mean, except for a couple of names and like the very basic concept of the running man being a thing, it's pretty much an entirely different experience. Yeah, Here, here's something interesting in the movie. Schwarzenegger stars as Ben Richards, who will be the running man. Yep. In the 70s, there was a TV show called The Immortal. It starred Christopher George, and it was another one of those fugitive-style TV shows where there's a guy on the run for whatever reason, like the Hulk and the fugitive, and he would go from town to town and get people out of jams. Now, the reason he was on the run is because he had an extremely rare type of blood that was made him immune to everything, even aging. Oh, wow. So okay. conceivably, he could have lived to be like 300 years old if, you know, because he would never get sick and die, but he could right. die if somebody shot him or killed him. Right. Well, once this is discovered, a bunch of rich people want to, you know, of course, get a hold of his blood so they can make serums out of it and they can live forever. So the immortal is basically uh, it was a I think one maybe two seasons I'm pretty sure it was only a single season about a man on the run. That man's name, Ben Richards. Oh wow! So interesting. I say I'd never heard of this show before, and this came out when? This was in the seventies. Hmm. It's sad, like I said, Christopher George. It was called the Immortal. You can find it on like Me TV or Grit TV, and I know its complete series is available on DVD. And we also know Stephen King is not afraid to make pop culture references. So it could be an entirely coincidental, or he could have said, hey, you know what, I'm going to name my running man after this character. Sure, yeah. So, the movie is directed by Starsky of Starsky and Hutch, Paul Michael Glazer. And... Uh, Schwarzenegger apparently didn't quite agree with his directing style, but I think it works. Oh, it's, I mean, it makes everything about the movie to me. Like, I, I get where Schwarzenegger's coming from, and if you, rest this, if you read the source material, it's not quite the same that this movie poses. This movie doesn't really make light of it, but it's, it's a much lighter way to look at it, I guess, almost like a satirical way of looking at it, whereas the, the Bachman book was a, you know, it's more of a horror book. That, and it wouldn't be a Schwarzenegger vehicle. Right. Right, but this is perfect for him. uh, Like, if if you really wanted to adapt the book, you're going to go with somebody like, well, at the time, Harrison Ford or... Sure. Or maybe... um, And, you know, we'll go into the, like, the uh, comparisons, differences uh, a little later. Right. But one of the Schwarzenegger's complaints was he felt, you know, since uh, Paul Michael Glazer was a TV person, he shot the movie like a TV show. Which, Thankfully. since the movie is supposed to be a TV show, right? I think it works for it. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 Like I get like, again, I get it. If you read the source material, if you're a big fan of the source material, and you're expecting to see that, you're definitely not going to get it. But what you get is not necessarily better, but you get a movie that lives in its own world, and it's just extremely well done from beginning to end. It's it's so enjoyable, and there's so much in it. There's so much to see, and and the older you get. You know, this movie's 87, right? Or 88. And uh, the older you get, the more, like, it becomes almost creepily prescient. <laughs> well, you know, it almost, if you watch RoboCop, mm-hmm. this movie could almost be in the same universe, maybe a few years down the road from just RoboCop. A, right, just a different quad, like in the, the Midwest quad or whatever they would call it. Yeah, Basically, with the same type of commercials and what they're watching 100%. on TV and RoboCop, this would fit right in. 100%, at around the same time, too. So I'm sure most of you know this story. It's, you know, it's a Schwarzenegger classic, shall we say. Yep. 
Uh, he's a former police officer who was ordered to fire upon a rioting crowd, and he refuses. And in the dystopic, totalitarian society of the future he lives in, this makes him, well, they, they basically still massacre the crowd and set him up to take the fall, and he ends up in prison as the butcher of Bakersfield. Yep. While in prison, he meets low, uh prisoners who work for the resistance and they stage this rather spectacular escape and the prison is it's definitely a work uh, work camp exactly yeah, they're building something they're doing something he's carrying an, uh, a steel I-beam on his shoulder which is just like <laughs> you know yeah, once again Schwarzenegger is going to Schwarzenegger is impossibly strong and you know, the, there's no walls around the prison, but an, uh, an electrical field that will set off these explosive bombs attached to their neck. So we get a rather, you know, great little escape scene where they're shooting it out with the guards and trying to shut down the gate. And, of course, there's always that one guy who just can't wait. Yes. runs up and Chico. has his head, head exploded. There's so much world building in this movie. Um, there's so much world, world, world building that can be taken for granted if you're just looking this as a Schwarzenegger spectacular, which it totally is. But that's just one of the things that, aside from this movie being just really good and fun, will make you want to watch it over and over again. And that's really what, what one of the things that too many um, filmmakers miss. You know, they stick to like, well, this is what the script is and that's what they do. They don't add these little, you know almost nothing details that won't really play out later, but it helps define the world you're watching. A hundred percent. And this movie is rife with them. I mean, everything from, um, uh, everything from, you know, Maria Conchita Alonso, she's, uh, Amber Mendez in the movie and everything from just like, even whether it be the prison, whether it be just, you know, hell, how the movie even starts or just some of the interactions with the ridiculousness around them, but just, you know, it's totally normal. Like for example, when you're in, um, when you're in Killian's office, played by the great late uh, late great Richard Dawson, um, you know he's got these two posters behind him of of other shows that are on the network. One called The Hate Boat, which is kind of on the nose, I guess, but the other is Confess, which just speaks so much about you know what 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 is going on in, in just that little bit. Um, it's fantastic. It's just again the world building is just fantastic, and I think I again I, I'm with you. Like I really really like the way. Uh, Paul Michael Glazer did this, like kind of turning what Hollywood might become in such a circumstance because he would understand it being an actor and just how they would talk through this stuff, you know, as, as Killian's just like, you know, casually going through all the list of all the different murderers and thieves and stuff that he would want to have on the show. One of them being either someone who has got like some sort of disease where they look exactly like a six-year-old child or is literally a six-year-old child as they're flipping through them. It's just, it's just there's so many different touches and nuances to this movie that can be forgotten and, and missed in just the awe of what is happening. Or even, again, if you're a huge Schwarzenegger fan and you just want to see him, you know, kick some ass and lift some heavy stuff, there's certainly plenty of that and all of his one-liners, some of the best ones um i think this is one of his better acted movies uh it really shows uh his comedic timing um this is just like the it, it ended up it's again it's unfortunate that he feels differently because i think it's like the perfect vehicle for him this is perfect for him this might be the this to me is the perfect schwarzenegger movie and i love you know predator i i had loved terminator i don't really count that as much as a schwarzenegger film despite the fact that he's you know it's his breakout thing but i mean i think you get what i mean like this is his this is really his movie and he gets to really be awesome in it and um every part of it is just so well put together i, I really I, I can't speak enough about this movie it's fantastic it's one of my earliest movie memories too oh yeah i mean dad took us to see this in 87 when it came out and I remember when I heard this movie was coming out, I actually read the the yes. novel just so I, I remember like, you reading oh, it. I want to know everything that's going to happen in the movie. Well, yeah, I needn't have have done so. I mean, I did enjoy the novel, but sure. I mean, it's like saying, um, you know, I'm going to read it. I don't even know how to compare it. Right, right, right. It's it's tough. You know, it's tough. Uh, 
I guess it would be sort of like reading the legend of Billy the Kid, like the true story of Billy the Kid, and then watching Young Guns. But even Young Guns isn't as far off as this movie is. You know what? Really, actually watching any Western based on real events. Kind of, yeah. yeah, They they change so much, it's barely barely recognizable. But this does even more than that. Like, except except for the basic concept, like in the in the in the book, it's it's somewhat different, but it's still more or less a game. But it's not so much a game show, and well, the, the basic premise of trying to escape this you know awful place alive is kind of the same. But that's about it, and some of the names. But that's about it. Really, yes. The the, the comparisons are it's a game. It's both a game, televised televised game show, but in the book he volunteers for it. Right. He, you know, his wife, he's, he's out of work. His, he's got a wife and young daughter who's very sick and they can't afford her medicine. So he goes, in the book, he goes to the studio to audition for a game show to make some money. And he's picked for The Running Man. And in the, the book, he's not confined to an arena. He can go anywhere in the world. Right. And he continues to make money that will go to his family for as long as he survives. He gets bonuses for like, you know, uh, escaping and killing police officers and stalkers. Right. And the audience can call in by giving clues to like, oh, I saw him on the streets of Boston. So we'd call in and the stalkers and the stalkers are just regular guys hunting. You know, they're right. not they're not these in the movie. They're like wrestling kind of yeah. superstars. Well, more 80s style. But, you yeah. know, they're, they all have this theme and gimmick and yep. and all these weapons. Whereas in the the, the book, they're kind of just um, like a SWAT team hunting them down across the country. Right. You get the impression that they're like mercenaries, like former special ops, that sort of thing. And former soldiers. Yeah. Exactly. If not active. Who knows? <laughs> so... Schwarzenegger goes on the run and he ends up at the apartment of Maria Conchito Alonso because he's looking for his brother. It was his brother's apartment. Right. And apparently she never got around to changing the combination code yeah. to the apartment. Yeah. He types it in and and gets in no problem. She's been there a month. I, I would think at, at, by default she would be able to set her own code. But, right. you know, again, that's a, that's a minor nitpick. So he gets in and basically kidnaps her to help him escape the country. So um, he he basically kidnaps her to the airport. Right. And he asked nicely, the, though. Well, there's the great line where she's like saying she's going to throw up and he's yeah. wearing this garish Hawaiian shirt. He's like, go ahead. It won't show up on this shirt. It's it's literally the only reason that season ex- that scene exists, but it still cracks me up every time. It, it still makes me smile every time. It's a good line. <laughs> so at the airport, she kind of, you know, she does what really she does. I mean, as the audience, we know it's the wrong thing, but. Right. She does the, you know, she kicks him and escapes and yells that he's the butcher of Bakersfield, escape from prison, get him. Sure, yeah. You know, she doesn't know he's been set up and, and everything she's been told is a lie. And, you know, yeah. and, from every, the, the way Schwarzenegger has treated her up until this point, you know, he's an escaped convict kidnapper. Exa- well, exactly. Like, he does, quote, ask nicely, unquote. And it's not like he's... But the thing is, like, he doesn't do a great job of not kind of acting sinister. But the thing is, to, to Schwarzenegger's credit, I think he knows damn well that he could tell her any story he wants and she's not going to believe it. So he might as well at least more or less act the part because then she'll think he's serious enough to actually follow his directions. Yes. So he's recaptured and Richard Dawson, who's trying to find the newest contestants for his game show, The Running Man, sees the footage and he's like, this guy's perfect. And again, to show you that the government basically uses entertainment to keep the citizens mollified. Mm-hmm. And we know in, in actual United States history this has worked. During the Boston riots of the 70s, they made sure to televise the oh, the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. Yes. They televised a concert James Brown was doing because they knew people would be like, well, I could go out on the streets to riot or I could stay home and watch a performance by James Brown. Yep. 
Well, I mean, the, the height of gladiatorial combat in ancient Rome was directly due to keeping people pacified. Like, if you give them something cool to watch and, you know, give them whatever they want, like, they'll just, they'll, they'll leave us alone. They'll be cool about it. Which is exactly what this is. Exactly. And yep. it's so, so it's set up perfectly that, you know, he calls the Justice Department Entertainment yes. Division. <laughs> Which is scary because you know that's going to be a thing. Yes. <laughs> you almost just know it will eventually. To get Schwarzenegger on his show as the latest convict who can, you know, earn his freedom by participating in The Running Man. Yeah. And, you know, at one point you get this great scene where it's um, Ken Lerner. Ken Lerner plays his agent, not his lawyer, yes. his agent. <laughs> and he runs them through all the things and, you know, all the, all the stuff about how, you know, he's given up his his likeness and everything and Schwarzenegger signs it on his back and basically stabs the yeah. man into and what's great is nobody stops to help him. Nobody no. stops to pull that everybody they just let him run off with the pen stuck in his back and like, all right, let's go on with our day. Right. Well it's because they all know that like or at least some seem to know like they're not necessarily like into the propaganda, but it's just like this is how it is. So you know whatever. <laughs> like they're just so jaded by it all. Um, can we talk for a minute about Richard Dawson? Because he's just uh, phenomenal oh, here. How can we not? And, um, like, you know, sheepish. I was 11. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I'd be about 10 or 11. I didn't know Richard Dawson except as the dude from uh, Family Feud. So I'm watching this movie just like, man, this guy's a really good actor. This guy's, wow, he should have acted more. I didn't realize he was, like, you know, an actual, like, awesome actor until I started seeing him in, in other stuff. Was it, was it, uh, is it Where Eagles Dare that he's in? Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes that he's in. Um, uh, I swear, what the heck was it else? That I, there was something I watched. I swear it was a war movie I watched not long ago that he was in as well. But no, like I had no idea he was actually an actor at some point. I just knew him as the guy on uh, Family Feud, which I thought, I thought, well, since this is a game show, that works so perfectly. But he's so awesome in this. I mean, <laughs> at the time, jerk, but man, he's great. At the time as well, I think I only knew him from Family Feud. I knew of Hogan's Heroes, but I didn't think I knew Richard Dawson was in it. Sure, sure. But yes, um, yeah, he, Richard Dawson actually, I think he was on Match Game, Celebrity Match Game, because of his, you know, performance as an actor. But he was so good at doing game show and, and quips that, yeah, he was cast for The Family Feud. He is, he is so, because he's basically Richard Dawson in this, but he's a jerk. <laughs> he's well, so thing, damn good. The thing that sets that up perfectly is you see him, you know, he's coming in and he's talking with his assistants and he accidentally trips over the janitor who's yes. mopping the floor. Yeah, and the guy's thing. like, I'm so, so sorry. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. You do a great job here. These floors look wonderful. You know, keep doing your good work. And then he gets in the elevator and says, if he's still mopping flares on was here tomorrow it'll be your job the, the way he just switches gears from being sinister to being fun to being genial is just it's masterful like he um it's kind of hard to steal any movie from Arnold Schwarzenegger but he comes so damn close because he's so freaking just evilly charming in this well who loves you and who do you love absolutely man like he is he uh, he steals every scene that he's like he's 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 so 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 good in this like it's one of those things where like i don't know uh i don't know if he his pick was as a result of paul, paul michael glazer or what but whoever it was whoever it was that casted him and went with it like that's a that is a home run man um it, it is such a home run like i i i feel like he might have stolen the movie from virtually anyone else not named ronald schwarzenegger like not that like truly larger than life ronald schwarzenegger that's, that's who it would take you know Yes, I, I mean, and, and it's, um, I mean, we can get into all how this, like, movie both predicted and inspired TV that would be to come. Yeah. You know, from the smarmy hosts that everybody loves to hate yep. to, um, well, like American Gladiators was yeah. basically pitched as, well, it's going to be The Running Man, only we won't actually kill people. <laughs> right. And that was kind of a fun show, actually. I remember it. And, you know, and, you know, our obsession with reality TV and these really wild game shows like, I mean, uh, the, the well, American Ninja Amazing Warrior. Race, Amazing American Race, Ninja yeah. Warrior, you know, it's all, all, all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, yep. again, people aren't killed outright, but again, in the movie, these are 
evil bad guys that are going to get the justice coming to them and we're going to get to experience it on television right it would be like if if someone converted the show wipeout into a manner of like execution for you know broadcast tv i mean i laugh but that's literally it even it's it's just another play on the most dangerous game right 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 which of of all the movies based on that concept i gotta give it to hard target not that's the pest? My, that's, that's my favorite. So I go with The Pest. The John Leguizamo movie. I'm not even kidding. That's actually a really fun movie to me. But no, Hard Target's great, too. Actually, the uh, one, uh, the Ice-T one is really good, too. I think it's called Most Surviving the, the Surviving game. the Game. That's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah. No, personally, and I'm not even a Van Damme fan, but it just, I, I, I think it's John Woo's take on it. Exactly. That works. Plus, Lance Henriksen as the villain. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with any of those names right there. We, um, we've, we've wandered off topic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, Schwarzenegger's blackmail into participating because they've shown that his two buddies, uh, Yafet Koto, and I don't know who the guy is who played the other the other dude, um, have also been captured. And he's like, well, they're going to play the game if you don't play the game. And he's like, Mar- uh, Marvin McIntyre. The the he's the the smart guy that yep voice um oh you know what we skipped the part where they stop at the resistance the underground resistance and oh, yeah. Mick Mick Fleetwood presumably playing himself they call him Mick he talks yeah. about how the you know the the government destroyed all his music and put all his friends in jail so yeah I fully believe that he is in fact playing. Uh, himself. That's uh, that's my understanding. Yeah. Alternate future version of himself. Well, because this movie would take place around now. In theory, because it takes place what just after 2017, but we don't know exactly when, so it could be like about now. So yeah. Yeah, I think officially it takes place in 2019. But, 2019. Okay. You know, give or take a few years. And then you so, have um, you have uh, Dweezil in that same scene. You have Dweezil Zappa. Son of the late, great Frank Zappa. Yep, as Stevie. Stevie and Mick in a band together. Right? Odd. <laughs> right? It would never work. No. So it's it's during that scene we learn that one of um, the guy who's not Yafet Kodo has been trying to hack into <laughs> the... Trying to hack into the satellite system of the network and... You know, it's a big deal that, you know, they just can't find the uplink. They know it's hidden in the city somewhere, but they can't find it. So now we cut to Schwarzenegger is on the stage. He's about to be entered into the running man contest. And that's when it's revealed that, oh, you know, there's there's so many exciting, you know, surprises tonight, ladies and gentlemen. His two accomplices, it's going to be the three of them together. Yep. Schwarzenegger is upset by this and he gives his famous catchphrase, I'll be back, to which Dawson replies, only in a rerun. Great line. Great line. And they send them careening in these rocket cars down into the devastated portion of the city from the great quake of, I don't remember when, but that's where the game... That's when the game... Where the game will take place and where they will be hunted by the stalkers. And the first stalker is Professor Sub Zero. Professor Sub Zero. Yes. Professor of yes. what? I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. And it also demonstrates that how you know the society is so into this show because you see these sweet little old ladies, you know, cheering on the the. the uh, she likes her men big and cuddly. She likes her men big and cuddly, and <laughs> she picks Professor Sub Zero who skates his way and you know there's there's um yeah so basically well, they're on like a they're on like a jacked up like apocalyptic hockey rink type of deal right right because he and comes out like you said skating and he's in like a he's got like a hockey stick it's kind of like a goalie stick but it's bladed and he's he's got he's all like padded up so he's ready to just like you know Various explosive hockey cup hockey pucks that he can yeah. you know knock into him and it's straight out know, of a video game. Yes, or wrestling. 
You yeah, know, exactly. The, the really over the top, you know, we got the hockey guy, we got Buzzsaw with his chainsaws, we got Dynamo with his electrocuting suit, we've got, you know, Jim Brown as Fireball with his jetpack and flamethrower. Cleveland Brown, great Jim Brown, yep. One of the, the greatest athletes who ever lived. Absolutely. So, you know, again, all this, we get all this, this great chaos going on. And, and meanwhile, <coughs> excuse me, Amber Mendez, Maria Cachito Alonso, starts to realize that we're being lied to. First, she sees the news report about what happened at the airport and she, you know, where he's accused of killing several people. And she's like, that's not what happened at all. He didn't kill anybody at the airport. And she goes in and she sneaks into the files to see, to find the original footage. And this is the question, because when they introduced Schwarzenegger, they showed the footage of the massacre he supposedly committed. Yeah. uh, Yep. Where did that footage come from? Where did that, where is the camera? Because it's just footage from the movie. Right. Right. The camera's apparently outside, too. At, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The other, in fact, the other thing I kind of wanted to point out, just to be that guy for a moment, if you notice during the prison scene, there's only, I think, maybe three people in the entire scene properly aiming a gun. Everybody else is shooting from the hip for some reason. With a rifle. Like it's, it, it, it just, I didn't notice it, obviously, as a kid, but as I've got older, I'm just like, yeah, that's weird. Why is everybody that's... shooting like that? That was an 80s action movie yeah. trope. People shot from the hip. And the yeah. reason... That was funny. The reason that actually became a thing is because, especially in the older movies, you pay for your star. You don't want the star covering up his face. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, you keep the gun down by the hip. Also I mean, it it the, does make for a better movie poster, or at least 80s movie poster. Also during the prison scene, they show a commercial for The Running Man. Yes. That contains footage of what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 There's some, there are some like editing issues with this movie. Yeah. But it's, it, it, I can't say it's, it's always bothered me, but for the past several years, the past several viewings of the running man, I've been like, where did this footage originally come from? Well, again, there's, there is so damn much to this movie. It does invite reviewing, not to mention the fact that it's just awesome. Um, but yeah, like each time you watch it, your brain just kind of notices new stuff and eventually it starts to notice flaws. Yeah. So she finds the original footage, but she's caught. And at, we find out later, they, for some reason, well, she hit it really quick and fast on yes. her person somewhere. Right. Because they don't get it from her. Right. But they do change her into the running man costume and send her into the arena. Right. And when, when Schwarzenegger first encounters her, he's like, he's mad at her. Like, they accuse her of being her his, her, her, his lover. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, they think I'm your lover. Like, well, I can prove them wrong by twisting your head off with that camera up there. And like, you know what, dude? You got no right to be mad at her. You kidnapped, you broke yeah. into her apartment and kidnapped her. And right. And she turned you in. Right. Like, whether, then, he, whether he had reason to run or not, you're right. All of those things are true. <laughs> you know? And then... She's in this now because she's trying to prove you were you were uh, exactly. framed, right? So here's and again. This is another nitpick about the movie. Now Buzzsaw and Dynamo enter the arena, and Yafet Koto and the other dude are pretty much killed off one after like, at the same time. Right? You know, it's like all right, let's eliminate these two other characters and get it down to just Schwarzenegger and the lead female because that's what people want. And I also got to give credit to Amber because before he's killed, Weiss has found the computer uplink and he has found the code to break in and he has Amber remember it. And let me tell you, I, I would have, I forgot the code five seconds after he told it to her. And I wasn't on the run from, well, I wasn't running for my life from a guy shooting a lightning bolts at me. Right. Well, plus he figures it out pretty damn quick. I mean, it's like six digits. That ain't easy. No, no, but it's it's implied that he's an expert hacker. So, right. Once he found whatever he was looking for, yeah, he came up with it, you know, pretty quick. But yeah, he's repeating it to her. She's repeating it back. I would have been like, no, I need that again. No, yeah. sorry, I need that again. And as right. he's convulsing from the electric bolts, I'm like, one more time. <laughs> I just, 
there was a B in there? I thought it was a number sequence. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Got it. All five numbers. I got oh wait. <laughs> exactly. Um speaking you know, going th- from the electric bolt, speaking of dynamo, the uh, actor Erlen Van Lith, he died um just after wrapping this movie. Yes. Um uh rest in peace, Erlen. Yeah. And that is him singing. He sings yep. all his own operatic parts. Exactly, yeah. Uh, he was a... Um, I wonder if he ended up as Dynamo by his own suggestion because he uh, he did apparently have a degree in um, uh, 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 technology and electronics, uh, like computer science. So it's it's like it's possible that um, that his persona was not by coincidence. Or at least I wonder. Um, and all through all this going on, we get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with Richard Dawson and his crew, yep. including the always great Kurt Fuller, who doesn't really get a chance to do anything here, unfortunately. No, but he's still great. Um, we get the big bodyguard played by Sven Ol Thorson, yep. who was in just about every movie Schwarzenegger made prior and several after. You know, he's a big, muscly guy, and uh, Dawson's constantly berating him. You know, stuff like, you know, what, steroids make you deaf? Do this. Right. And uh, Jesse Ventura returning from his previous appearance as Schwarzenegger in Predator as Captain Freedom, a now retired stalker. Yes. He's now a commentator and he has a uh, exercise show as well. And this is one of two uh, movies in pretty much the same year that uh, Ventura will be in with Donald Schwarzenegger. Two, one of two great movies that'll be in. The other being obviously Predator. Yeah, two of the most gubernatorial action movies yes. ever made. Absolutely, yes. So, now it's down to Schwarzenegger and Schwarzenegger's they've, they've killed Sub-Zero, they've killed Buzzsaw, Dynamo isn't killed, but he's taken out of action, and he and uh, Schwarzenegger and uh, Conchito Alonso are still on the run, and they're sending in Fireball, played by, as we mentioned, Jim Brown, yep. one of the greatest athletes of all time. In fact, I think as he flies off, uh, uh, Dawson says something about him being the all-time greatest rusher. So they're running around and they find the dead bodies of the three supposed winners from last season. Whitman, Price, and Haddad. All of whom, yes, who were supposed to be free, living their life, you know, in a tropical paradise. But as is shown by this vindictive totalitarian government, they don't let anybody go. Right. You can't be let once you've done whatever you've done wrong, you're going to be executed. Right, right, because you're still a threat, either way. Right, like yeah. And there's a scene too where they're running, and Schwarzenegger is like, "We're going to go." Th-. He's pushing uh, Amber along. She's like, "Why this way? I want to go that way." Yeah. And she was right because the way yeah. he pushes her brings him right into the uh, into Fireball and his flamethrower. Yep, she was absolutely right. So you know, they split up, they escape, and they, of course, take out Fireball. And Dawson comes on screen, supposedly just talking to Schwarzenegger, saying, hey, because now the crowds, you know, now the crowds has gone from betting on which stalker's going to make the next kill to Ben Rich- Richards is going to, and that's where you get He's this, win. Uh, yeah. another one, little sweet old lady, she, who's all like, no, I can pick who I want, and I pick Ben Richards. Yep. He's one bad mother. And now there's scenes where you know people are placing bets out in the, the street. You know, yep. the crowds they're turning towards. Give me Richards. your money. Give me your money. A hundred to one odds. Ben Richards makes the next kill. Yep. So Dawson sees all this and he's like, "Well, I got to get this guy on the show because it's all about ratings." Right. It's not about good and bad. It's not about right and wrong. It's about ratings. And he contacts. Schwarzenegger through a camera and says, you know what? I'll give you a contract. You know, we'll do all these things. But to Schwarzenegger, it is about writing wrong. And he's, he politely refuses the offer. Sure. 
They escape into the grid, and that's where they find their way into the secret underground base, once again running into Mick and Stevie. Yep. And now they have the codes for the Uplink Tower, and Amber has the real footage that will clear Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Where she hit it, it's none of our business. No, no, but wherever it was, was at least clever. We'll just say she's very clever. They apparently, let's just say they didn't do a cavity search. (laughs) Probably not, no. Or, or she could have hit it in her hair. She does have big, voluminous hair, so. Let's go with that. Possibly up there. We do see her tying her hair into a bow, so maybe that's how she got it, you know. So, now they've lost track of Schwarzenegger, and that's not good. They need an ending for their show. They want to send Jesse Ventura in as Captain Freedom, and they want him to wear this gimmicky armor and all this stuff, and he's like, he refuses to do it because he used to go in there and kill guys like that with his bare hands. Right. So he storms off, and now the, the movie predicts digital trickery. Right. Where a bunch of stump people, they, they film a fake Deep scene fake, of, much. of, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> of, of Ventura killing off Amber and Ben Richards. And, you know, that's how they're going to end the show. And now they'll just have to hunt down Richards and Amber and kill them, you know, however they want. Pretty gruesome, too. So I mean, fake, but gruesome nonetheless. Yes. Like, well, at first, Dan was like, isn't this great? We're dead. We can, you know, go into hiding. We can go wherever we want. It's like, no, don't you understand? We can't be allowed to leave here alive. Right. They're going to come after us with everything they got. And they right. don't even have to follow any rules anymore. Right. So they team up with the underground to storm the studio, hijack the satellite, and broadcast the truth. Which they do. The end. No. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is pretty much, but you know, now you get a, 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 a more traditional action sequence with shootouts and, and, and gunfire and And Stevie's beret. Stevie's beret and uh, Mick going um, he makes a, a reference to Mr. Spock, which of course is lost on, you know Right. The people there and they, they do this great cut together, like, you know, here's the truth of what happens, and you've been lied to, and Killian's lying to you, and, you know, Ben Richard didn't commit the massacre, and this is, you've all been taken for fools. Yes. And yep. true to form, the crowd turns again. <laughs> You're nothing but a bunch of fickle losers. You're right. Give us hell. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah, it's pretty much that, right? So, you know, there's the shootout at the studio. Amber takes out Dynamo in a, a reconfrontation. Um, and then it's down to just, uh, you know, the studio audience runs, the, the, the security is taken down, and it's down to just Ben Richards and Killian, played by Richard Dawson on the stage. And yep. Dawson's like, you know, wait a minute. Wait a minute, we, we can talk this out. And in struts Sven, the big muscular security guy, and you think, okay, One more we're going to get another another fight. And Sven looks at Schwarzenegger, looks at Richard Dawson and says, I'm sorry, i got to go sw- score some steroids, turns around and searches eye, proving that Sven then is an intelligent person who has learned by what he has seen. Right. Right. At which point, Ben Richards straps Killian into the rocket car, sends him careening off into the... And somehow, for some reason, now instead of the rocket car hitting the net, it goes careening into a billboard and exploding in what I can only assume was a factory producing napalm. Right. Because it is... Whatever was behind this billboard is some of the most explosive, flammable material known to man. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a cool ending, nonetheless, but it's a little strange. Yeah, like, why? I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe because it didn't decelerate, it still kept going. But, yeah, I don't know the explosion. Maybe that's where they kept Fireball's um, fuel. Maybe. And there's a little joke where 
Schwarzenegger says that hits the spot. Yes. Which is making reference to the billboard he hits is the Cadre Cola billboard, and the Cadre Cola slogan is it hits the spot. It hits the spot. But it's kind of lost because the point between where they show the slogan and how fast the explosion happens, it doesn't really quite quite connect well. You know, at least probably not on your first time sure. seeing it anyways. But and, and there's that great line just before, just before he sends him off, where Kellyanne tells him to drop dead. I don't do requests. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> and now he's gone, Schwarzenegger turns to leave, and there's Amber, and they're in love now because... Movie. That's how movies end. <laughs> right. And you get the greatest John Parr song slash um, 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 movie song ever. I mean, I know, yeah, it's in almost fire, but come on. This one just hits every note. It even it has, does, you hit the right spot in it. It doesn't outdo, it doesn't outdo St. Elbow's Fire. No, you're, yeah, you're right, it doesn't, but it's just, yeah, I mean, come on. This movie, the, the, the ending theme, like everything, everything about this movie just works, even its flaws. It's just, I love this movie so much. Well, it is definitely a fun uh, popcorn I, it's not there's, there's there's really no slow points to the movie no you could watch it at almost any time um you could watch it at almost any mood it's just it just it really just takes you along with it i mean again there's like there are sci-fi movies huge budget sci-fi movies that don't have as much world building and detail as this movie does no no and it, it it's like fun it's fast-paced it's over the top I mean, again, you, you can nitpick it to death, but, you know. Sure. Oh, it's flawed, but what is my it? my favorite movies, you can do that, too. Oh, so. oh, God, yeah. Oh, my. I mean, famously, Halloween is, you know, it's it's definitely in California. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, like, one of the scenes, too, that I thought about, this is the first time it occurred to me while watching it, but for uh, again, for the podcast, was there's a scene where Amber and her friend are buying soda, $8 yes. for a can of soda at the vending machine. And that's when security is leading Ben Richards by. And you're like, they don't have a studio entrance. They march him through the a convicted felon through the regular area where employees and the right. public might be. That doesn't quite make sense. Right, right. But then there, then there are certain things which seem ridiculous on the surface, but 30 years or just over 30 years later, um, when you think, you know, I'm your court appointed theatrical agent and, uh, you know, the, the Justice Department Entertainment Division. It's like, oh, <laughs> that doesn't sound and too far fetched anymore. <laughs> when he calls the White House, he says, get me the president's agent. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There, you know, in the 80s, it's just like, ah, oh, it's kind of funny or, you know, whatever. Uh, or you don't, you, you might even be like, oh, what's, you know, how silly. Now, like a 30, 34 years later, you're like, and when everything's going wrong and Ben Richards is starting to win and that you're like, you yeah. keep getting calls, but you hear, you hear Richard does, it's the ratings. Mm-hmm. Is it the, look, we're up, we're up 19 points. You know, you want people at home watching. You got people at home watching. Right. You can't have it both ways. He says it. He yeah. says literally that you can't have it both ways. And you know, you get all these, I mean, this is probably one of the worst or best, depending on your point of view. For uh, Schwarzenegger clips, quips. Oh yeah, you know. it's to me best. It's it's. Just best. I mean, one they even shoehorned in one for a Sub Zero. You could tell they <laughs> they put it in post. Like, good thing we took care of Sub Zero. Yeah, he was a real pain in the neck. Yeah, like I, I thought it was fine with Sub Zero now playing Zero. Like, just leave it there. <laughs> yes, That's but you could tell like now we can't decide which one to use. And, right. You know, what happened to Budsaw? Oh, he split. You know. <laughs> No, really, what happened? <laughs> I need to know. But it's just, you know, it's it's a, it's a good time. I remember being thrilled the entire time watching it in, oh, yeah. in, in, in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it ends, like I said, it, it even ends completely different from the book. Right. You want to get into that? How did the book end? Uh, all right. Well, spoiler alert, if you yeah. ever, I mean. But after being on the run for a while, like in the thing, people have started to root for Ben Richards, and Killian is offering Ben Richards a job as the new lead stalker. 
Well, towards the end of the book, um, Killian, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben Richards has hijacked a plane and he uses that plane as in a kamikaze where he kills himself and destroys the TV studio uh-huh. by piloting the plane into the into the network skyscraper. Oh, wow. Okay. So everybody's dead. Yeah. Uh, so that book, um, when did the book come out? Do you know? Do you remember? Was it, uh, was it much before the, the movie? Book. So, oh, it had to. I think it was probably... I think he did the Bachman books in the early '80s. Okay. So I'm going to say at least five or six years before before the movie. Gotcha. Rest and I'm sure when they first optioned it, they probably were going to go with a more um, faithful approach. But once you get Schwarzenegger involved, it it's always going to become a completely different style of movie. Yeah. The book is not a movie. Well, Schwarzenegger might make it today with the types of movies. But it wouldn't have worked in the eighties. No, 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 it would not have been a feel because Schwarzenegger made these feel good, right? You know, action packs, over the top. You know, like even in this movie where you have some serious subjects, it's all done for entertainment and satire. It's done right. It's done in an absurd way. Um, like it's nearly, it's not, but it's nearly a comedy with as many comedic moments as it has. Like Predator is a much much darker movie. Which is kind of what I like about this movie is to, is a nice counter counterbalance of it in the eighties. Like you had there's, those two sides of the spectrum. There's a lighter tongue in cheek tone. Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is like you said, this is almost pro wrestling, um, in in a way. Uh, I mean, obviously it takes some inspiration from it in terms of the stalkers and the presentation, but it's got like kind of like this is a you know we're telling a story, and in this way, like I think the story is more sincere than people let on, or at least noticed in the eighties. But now thirty four years later, again, it takes like a kind of like again, almost creepily prescient. <laughs> it's almost like you're laughing, but now it's nervous laughter. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, but, and again, like, it's all done in fun. Right. It, exactly. it was all, this was meant. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, now it's almost like, okay, it almost isn't as fun anymore. <laughs> Some of it, you know? Again, like the Justice Department entertainment, it's like, that's too real. That's, that feels too yeah. real right now. Like, uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, that was a joke then. <laughs> You know, and now it's just like, uh, oh, okay. And you know how much we use, we we allow ourselves to be informed and take for granted what right. we're told on the TV news. Right, exactly, as if it's gospel not produced. Yeah. And ever since really the mid-80s, you know, even the news has all been about ratings. So yep. it's like, how do we spin the story to get people to tune in? Like, damn the facts and damn what's accurate. You know, we want people to tune in. I mean, we live in New England where all they have to do is make people tune in, especially during the winter, is say, snow in the forecast, and everybody's like, oh, my God, panicking. Yep. Run to the supermarket, six gallons of milk, 20 loaves of bread. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> exactly. Bread and milk. Bread and milk. So... You know, again, the movie's crazy, but it is oh so much fun. Oh, heck yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but like I said, like I said, you know, it's it is crazy, especially if in an '80s lens, um, and now in a now in a now lens, like it's still crazy, but it's just like again, it's a bit more nervous. La- you have slightly more nervous laughter than you did before. And you know what? It actually made me think about too. Like, yeah, I wish American Gladiators was still on the air because I would watch it. And yeah, it was a fun show. I like. It, it also inspired uh, Smash TV, the video game. Yes. Oh, that quarter sink, if there ever was one. Um, my Whip Bissell Award is going to uh, Mick Fleetwood because it's a small role, but he plays the hell out of it. I would have loved to have given it to Kurt Fuller, but he doesn't really get enough to do. And second place for me would have been Ken Lerner. Again, small role, but he plays it to the best of his ability. Um I'm going to go with Kurt. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, people might know Ken Lerner as most recently he played um, Schwartz's dad in uh, the Goldbergs TV show. He's been in a ton of things. Yeah, okay. He's he's been in a ton of things, but that's what's coming to my mind at the moment. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't know I recognized him. Like, he seemed familiar. I didn't know I recognized him, but okay, I totally see that. 
Absolutely. I, I remember I also that. from an episode of Scrubs where he played a, a TV writer who wrote for Cheers. And... Oh, right. He Yes. Um, I forget the name they gave him, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you've seen him in tons of things. Yep. That's right. Schwartz is dead. Okay. Um, I, 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 you know, yeah, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Kurt Fuller. Um, one of my favorites because he just plays a good foil between. I mean, it was it was a toss. I forgot her name, but it was a toss between the two assistants, Kurt Fuller and the one that he was kind of like sort of rivals with. You know, where they would kind of quip back and forth to each other, more or less over like Damon's approval. Yes. Um, figuring like whichever one is right is going to be like better. And um, as you know, the scene where they're looking at Richards and he's like, you know, let's get him. And she's, well, we can't, you know, our contract. And he immediately goes, well, you know, what contract he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's on the loose right now. And he just gives that, he shoots that, like, you know, I gotcha look. Uh, he's just so great at those. He's, he's, he, he's a, he's a perfect, like um, toady, I guess, to uh, Killian. Like he really feeds off of like Killian's larger than, you know, he, when, when, when Killian is just like, you know, going through the scene, it's just the stuff that Fuller and, and, and her are doing. And in fact, maybe I'll just give it to both of them in the background. Like those two assistants are really fun. And, and, and they're, they're just an important part of the world building too. Um, they, they really fit in, into the movie so well um, and in such memorable parts. Well, you almost wonder if Kurt Fuller could have played Killian based on his performance in No Holds Barred. Right. Oh, oh man. He, he almost plays a Killian character in No Holds Barred. He's oh, No Holds Barred. Wow. If you want to see Kurt Fuller at his best, No Holds Barred and any of his episodes of Psych where he plays Woody Strode, the coroner. Oh, yeah. Psych. No Holds Barred is a movie uh, we probably won't cover because we can't do justice. And, you know, unless you're thinking of us telling you how awesome it is, like it, it is and it isn't. But Kurt Fuller is absolutely amazing. Now, the movie is entertaining as hell. You'll, I mean, again, if you roll with it, it's a really fun movie to watch through. But, uh, oh, man, Kurt Fuller really brings well, it home. There's a lot He's of so parallels between Running Man and No Holds Barred. Very much. Oh, very All much. about ratings and people beating the crap out of each other on TV. Absolutely. Um, any, what are your recommendations alongside this movie, besides No Holds Barred? Uh, right. Um, for this one, oh, well, I guess we kind of mentioned it before, like surviving the game would have been one of them. Um, so I'm going to go with that. Um, I would also go with this. Another movie that kind of reminds me of this, but again, a sort of different tone is um, The Warriors. Um, then you have, uh, well, again, if you want a comedic version, there's The Pest, which is, again, kind of the John Leguizamo's take on um, The Heart of Darkness, which is movie but if you know John Leguizamo especially of the time then you'll know what you're getting into um, so yeah and and really almost anything else Schwarzenegger does because those movies almost like live in their own Venn diagram of movies like their own you know circle of movies I mean the most obvious parallel I would say is probably the S Steve Austin Condemned yep which is oh yeah again, sure of course. you know death row prisoners on TV fighting for their freedom yep and that's a pretty good one the Jason Statham death death race, oh, I which forgot is about that movie. almost movie. this movie. I mean, it's really you can almost claim that this movie is remade, but you know, it's car racing as opposed to gladiatorial combat. In fact, the entire death race series two and three are actually prequels, and it actually works if you watch it two, three, and one. Oh, really? They did a really good job of. Of me. In fact, there's a character who's killed off in the first movie that's in the you know the two prequels, and it actually gives more gravitas to his death. Okay. When he's killed in the movie, it's just like, oh, he's another one of the people who's killed in the movie. But because you got to know him better in the prequels, you're almost like, oh, this is there was a lead up to this. Got you. So got you. those, and in fact, personally, I actually think the third is the best in the series. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Are they all Roger Corman? Um, they're licensed, you know, because they're not really the Death Race 2000 or the Death Race 2050, but they are licensed from the Corman. Um, the there there is a spiritual connection or a, you know a tenuous connection to them. Got you. I mean, Death Statham's only in the first, which is 
obvious once you see the story, but I highly recommend those the first three, especially the fourth one has it goes off in its own outrageous cray. It is probably one of the sleaziest, trashiest movies I've ever seen. Definitely really? beyond beyond anarchy. But uh, man, I enjoyed every depraved second of it. I mean, you've seen a lot of movies, so that's saying something. <laughs> oh my god! The, there's this the, the movie. Death Race Beyond Anarchy opens with the sequence of a SWAT team trying to take down a crazed gang of, you know, they, they snuck into uh, um, an island that's been basically taken over by the convicts. Okay. And they are ambushed and gunned down. And those that are not killed in the firefight, well, what happens as these SWAT team is on the ground moaning? A bunch of guys come out with chainsaws, pig masks, and no pants on, and start covering them up. Okay. That's how the movie opens. Okay. It gets more depraved from there. Really? <laughs> okay. Um, also, I would recommend Turkey Shoot, a.k.a. Escape 2000, starring Stephen Railsback, uh, directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. It's an Australian movie. Again, it's it's very it's almost the same type of story. It's a totalitarian government in the future. Political prisoners are put in a prison, and the only difference is it isn't the turkey shoot isn't televised, but it is a like some of the prisoners are picked like, hey, if you can make it off the island, you're free to go. But I'm going to be the warden and some of these other people who are paid to participate in the hunt. Are going to be hunting you down. Now, how? Uh, w- when did this movie come up? The, I think it's 1980. This movie. Oh wow! Okay. It's definitely a s- late 70s, early 80s at best. Um, it was on. I actually saw it on Prime. I don't know if it's still available to to, to stream on Prime, but um, it's under the title Turkey Shoot. There. Okay. Really, really uh, good throwback movie. Interesting. I'd never heard of it. Yes, and it's not to be confused with um, Escape from the Bronx, which is also known as Escape 2000, which we saw as a mystery science theater. Yes, yep. Um, anything else? Um, well, uh, just as a, I mean, at least nothing to do with this movie anyway. Um, just as a quick call back to something I've been listening to. Um, which I, you know, if, uh, people who listen to this podcast might find interesting. So on uh, Spotify, there's a podcast called um, Last Podcast on the Left. They're like a comedy true kind podcast. Um, and make of that what you will. But this week, the last two weeks, they've been doing the story of Billy the Kid. So for fans of the movie Young Guns and of that podcast where we kind of explain like, yeah, the, the, the tone of this movie is kind of sincere to the story, but it's a completely fictitious account of it. If you were interested in knowing more of what really happened um, and how it may, you know, how it really was, at least as best of the records that we understand, um, check out that on Spotify. That's a last, last podcast is left and they've been doing it for the last two weeks. All right. That's cool. Um all right, now it's time for me to connect this to the Magnificent Seven. Yep. Which is really, really easy because yep. Jim Brown, who played Fireball, was mm-hmm. in the Dirty Dozen with Charles Bronson. Yep, and I would have gone the same way, so. Oh, well. Um, um, all right, so do you want to. All right, so that was yours. I will go. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, I would have just gone the same way, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, um. Uh, Marita Conchita Alonzo was in Predator 2. That's right. With Danny Glover. Danny Glover had a cameo role in Maverick. Okay. The, the, had, uh, the Mel Gibson one? The Mel Gibson yeah. Maverick, which had James Coburn in it, who was yes. in the Magnuson 7. Well done. That was just off the dome right now. Yes, because fortunately I, I went with Maria Conchita Alonzo and I can think of three movies she was in. Well, two besides this one. Right. So. Oh, right on. Right on. Yeah, like my obvious choice was exactly like you said, Jim Brown to um, Dirty Dozen to Charles Bronson. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the most direct. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't even think of going anywhere else because, you know, <laughs> but yeah, wow. Uh, Maria Conchino Alonso, very good. Very good. I mean, that's all I got. That's all I got. Except too, to so just say this is obviously a high recommend. So, you know, oh, you've, yeah. you've probably, if you're a fan of this podcast and have seen any of the movies that we've talked to up in this point, I imagine you've seen this movie. So screw it. See it again. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's hard to believe there's anybody listening that hasn't heard of Schwarzenegger and at least hasn't heard of this movie. Right. Right. This is just like, this is one of those movies where like, you know, we know that, um, you know, it's kind of a no brainer, uh, but we wanted to talk about it ourselves. Yes. And with that, we thank you for joining us and we hope you have you back next time. Thank you, everyone. Who loves you and who do you love? Kill you. Yes. <laughs>